This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Homestale Radio, where, surprise, surprise, Chris Hambling is missing in action from reviewing a tonking at the hands of Manchester City. So this week, you've got me, Nick Gillard, and our team trying to bring some positivity whilst talking about what went wrong and right at Main Road yesterday, as well as featuring an interview with Emma from Proud and Palace. Apologies this week to those that listen live usually, but the demand for the Steve Parrish interview broke our broadcasting equipment last week, but we always still love to hear from you. You can find all the ways to get in touch by visiting wholeradio.net forward slash contact. Hold tight and we'll be back up with this message. There are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia Homophobia. doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. Whole Radio is by the fans for the fans, and I couldn't have been joined by a more disparate group with me today. I've got the sophisticated Alex Penge, a man like Dr. Kernaz, and the wannabe national treasure Jill Hollyoke. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. A wannabe? <laughs> Dr. I want to talk to you first. This Turkish derby, 17 sendings off? Go and yeah, tell us about it. It was a crazy, crazy derby. That's what football is about. There was there was about five red cards, managers sent to the stands, three goals, two penalties, around like ten yellow cards. It was just crazy. That's what you call football. I totally forgot about our score after that. It just made me happy <laughs> to it see like a train? crazy game. It was Fenerbahce and Besiktas, where Tosun played as well. When we was linked, oh, yeah. with him. He was linked yeah. to us, wasn't he? Yeah, he was linked with us. And yeah, it was a good game, but you didn't do overly well, but he was all right. Did he score? Nope. Ain't that good then, is he? Ah. <laughs> he scored a good goal in the Champions League, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. So Dio's saying, no, we don't need him, we don't need him. Steve Parrish probably listens and, and we'd, have, we'd have had a striker. <laughs> oh, if Steve Parrish listened to me, then I don't think we'll right now we'll have a striker, we'll have Niasse or something. Yeah, and I've got but, a feeling that Champions League goal's probably at doubled his price as well. So. <laughs> oh, Alex. Yeah. Alex, yes. I referred to you as sophisticated, but that's only going by your Skype picture. Have I have I got you right? Take that. It's it's the it's the round glasses, isn't it, Nick? Yeah, yeah. There we go. Definitely. Thank you very much. Sophistication oozing in sophistication now. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. And Joe, um, before we go into talk about the game, um, 
you broke Homestale Radio last week, didn't you, with your Steve Parrish interview? Um, you've had a few days to think about it. Any any thoughts on it? Um, we don't matter what I say, does it? If I say it went brilliantly and I'll back him, I'll get caned in if I, you know, I, look, I thought it went all right. I think it gave a good account of himself. He's never, you know, we're always, he's always going to have haters and the longer it goes on, everyone's just going to bl- keep blaming him and blaming him. I mean, the blame has completely shifted away from everybody onto him. Um, to be honest with you, I think he likes it like that. Really? Well, I just, I, I asked him outright. I said, you know, take the blame for the players and you know I, I just think he's I just think he's just used to it I mean I don't I don't think it really bothers him what what people say I know that yeah. he, you know that he thinks he's trying his best and sometimes if he, if he comes up short it's absolutely obvious as he as he is but he knows that and that's why he pretty much said you've got to deal with it until January and uh, can you can you confirm that he, it was him who asked us to come on and that he didn't know what the questions were going to be in advance. No, no, no. I mean, I, I, like I said, I mean, there was a lot of people that come on and and, and had a bit of a go and, you know, and said, oh, he'd, he'd been... But like I said, you know, we, we got nothing to hide. I, we, we started recording and then I asked him a couple of... You know, I asked him a tricky question and, um, and he said, I'll tell you what, why don't we just do this live? And we were like, well, okay. So wow. it was more more of a surprise, right? It was, I swear to you, it was actually him that turned around and said it. He never, I mean, the other thing as well is that Steve Parrish is on his phone. If we'd have sent him the document that Chris put, you know, we have a, we have a, a show document that we use every week in, you know, in whatever message, you know, message format we use to contact each other and stuff. But I'd seen that was two A4 pages long of questions that were sorted out by Chris and 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 made appropriate, you know, the, the amount of abuse in there. We had to just take out the abusive words and stuff and try and give people, you know, the angry people as well a voice. So, but he didn't, you know, we could not put that in that document for him to look at in, on his phone. It just, it just wouldn't have, it wouldn't have mm-hmm. worked. So he had, he, and he did say to us, there, there was, there were two things he said to us. One was make sure you ask me about Shearer. <laughs> we, asked, we asked him about Shearer because I think he wants he, he, he's earned the right to to reply, as 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 we all have really, and and secondly we said is there anything that's off limits and he said there's nothing off limits, which is why you know in parts of it got a little bit, you know he tried to talk over us and wouldn't have him talking over us, so yes. it, it, you know it wasn't a setup. There's no point in seeing I've... things up. The guy's too. He's intelligent. He knows his stuff, and he knows he's in the crap at the moment. And he's fighting. That's what he's doing. He's fighting for himself, and he's fighting for the club. So there's no setup on our part. We don't kiss any. We don't kiss any backsides of Palace. We don't have to. You've got me going. Say now. what you want about him. Go on, Alex. Nick, say what you want about him. Say what you want about him. But he was on for over two hours talking to us. Over Sweet. two hours on a Sunday evening. I imagine Sunday evening is probably a one an evening to sort of escape from football, and he's there talking to Palace fans, talking about sort of the mess that we're in. You know, Dragon's Den was on. He didn't want to watch it because he weren't on. This is <laughs> we started. Yeah, what, what could have been? What could have been? <laughs> we started actually recording at one minute past seven. One minute past what seven. We didn't, we, didn't, we didn't ring it. I think he finished at twenty to ten. Bloody hell. 
Bloody yeah, so what you want? You wouldn't get Sheik Mansour or Roman Abramovich coming on speaking to a you know an internet radio station for the fans, for the Chelsea or Man City fans. No. So fair play to him. But but yeah. you know the, the thing is he did t- he, you know, he turned around and said and we can blow a little bit of smoke up our own backside. He said he only ever t- talks to two people because he knew people would twist his words anyway. But he said he talks to Neil Ashton of the Sun and Homesdale Radio. So you know it was a massive coup for us. Um, to, to get him to come on, you know, we tried to get him to come on a couple of weeks before, you know, when uh, on the transfer window, you know that Nick. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, we didn't, you know, he couldn't, he wouldn't do it. He couldn't or wouldn't do it. So, and that's and that's rare because you know the last few years he's been there, just gone eleven o'clock. So, but listen, I'm, I I ain't here to defend him, and I thought we, you know, I thought we held our own. Um, when it comes to questions, I thought there was a little bit of swerving on on some of it, but you know, and again before Andy turned around and, and said that. If he couldn't answer completely directly um, to a question that might, you know, that might be a little bit tricky to answer, he said, because, you know, if he, it might lead to implications, either himself or, or someone else. So if he sounded like he was a little bit swerving it a little bit, that would that would have been the only reason. Like I said, I'm, I'm not trying to protect him at all. I thought he, he did all right that. But again, you know, the, all the defeats and, and um, it's just the, the pressure builds on, on the club entirely. And we're all, you know, as fans, most of us are in meltdown. At least uh, the, um, at least it, it got a lot of coverage in the press. And very, thank you very much, Daily Mirror, for um, referencing that the interview was done with Homestyle Radio. Everybody, every other newspaper managed to do it, except for you. So thanks for that. Um, but it kept the heat off the team a bit. Yesterday, Man City, Main Road. Well, where I can't remember where they play now. What's it called? The Empty Com- Hub. No, yeah, the Commonwealth Stadium <laughs> it was built for. Um, <laughs> No ward, no puncture. No puncture. <laughs> Gel. What were you what, what were you thinking when you saw that lineup? Did you like? I saw Twitter and I nodded quietly at the screen, thinking, "Oh yeah, that's not bad." Well, just you know, I thought someone else had picked the team. So, but no, listen, it, it doesn't. It, the, the two or three players, in fact, probably four or five players that don't deserve to be playing regularly at the moment. Um, He's one of them. It's another. Hennessy's another. You know, um, you, you can turn around and say goodbye's another. You know, he ripped up many trees this year. He look a little bit more solid when he's in the middle, but, you know. Um, but it, it, it is what it is. I, you know, I, I hate to coin his phrase, but, you know, it's one we use. It is what it is at the moment. Um, I think there's money for January. Let's just hope we're not relegated by then. Who knows? Um Alex, I, I was umming and ahhing about whether we should have had Dan or, Dan or um, Tomkin in there alongside Sacco. Mm. Who, who do you favour? Uh, I, pers- I personally favour Tomkins just because of how well he played last season and how well he played in the first couple of games of the season as well. And I thought he played really well at Anfield. Um, but, you know, I, I think several managers seem to really fancy Dan. And, um, you know, I feel like he's not going to really um, be dropped. I feel like he's the, the, the chosen sort of defender and companion for Sacco. Um, I was really happy to see Ward actually drops. You know, I feel like it's been long overdue. Something that should have been done, not, not you know, this season, but last season as well. And Fosu meant, to, you know, I thought it looked all right in the first half. He's quick and he gives us a bit of impetus going forward. And we saw that in, in the first first bit of the game. Um, you know, a lot was coming from that right-hand side, um, and we just looked much more of an attacking threat. 
We did. We did indeed. We had a, a lot more confidence going forward, and, and we saw flashes of that in the Huddersfield game. But, but we'll come on to that with the match. Um, DR, you there, yep. mister? Yep, yep. Dan, captain. Now, I was thinking about this. Obviously, Punction's not the captain because um, he's not on the pitch. Dan wasn't very good as a captain, I yeah. thought. Now, with all the changes in backroom staff, was there nobody in the backroom staff to have a word with Roy Hodgson and say, actually, he's not a very good captain? Because us as fans kind of knew that. As, no one left, is it? That's what I mean. What do you think, DR? Yeah, it's a weird one because last time uh, Scott Down was captain, he actually got dropped and his performances dropped as well. So it was a, it was odd seeing him come back uh, and become captain. But yeah, as you say, we've got a new backroom staff, so he's going to make these um, decisions. Uh, I hope over time we'll look, we'll look into it and Roy will have a good idea who should be captain. But yeah, once again, Scott Down, I don't think he can become captain of this club. We've tried it before and we tried it again yesterday and it didn't look well. Alex, you've got a controversial shout for captain. Yeah, I've got a very controversial shout. I just like you know, but I, you know, I think Dan is not vocal at all, and I I do feel that a captain is fairly overstated now in modern football. I feel like it's not like a game like a cricket match where you know the captain sort of is really the focal point to decide. You know, they're there, you know, able to you know rearrange the field, have to decide who who get who bowls at football. I feel like it's completely overstated. So why not just give it to Hennessy? Why not just give it to Hennessy? Oh. You know, I know it's it's controversial, but you know Hennessy's never—he's not going to get out of the side, is he? We, we let's just face it—you know, most of us don't rate him as a goalkeeper. He's not going to be out of the side. You can't see someone like Sproni coming in for Hennessy. So, you know, he's a given. He's always going to start each game. Just give it to Hennessy. Just, just give him a bit of responsibility. Maybe he might thrive on that responsibility he's and let the given, team just mate. focus. He's not a given. Given kept clean sheets. It was atrocious yesterday. Hennessy anyway, talking boom, boom. about I thought it was thought it was absolutely atrocious, um, a shambles at times, and I just don't I don't get it. I, I, I don't get this fascination towards Hennessy. I do not get it. But you know, I just feel like just give it to him because face it, he's not going to get dropped. He's not going to leave his side. He's going to be playing every game this season. He's not he's not going to lose his place. We're not going to buy a goalkeeper in January, so just give it to him. It is what it is. Do you want to um, respond to that, DR? Yeah. What? I understand. Actually, let me be honest. I don't understand where you're coming from with Hennessy being captain because I don't see him being strong enough as a character himself because you can see he's nervous. How do you see him leading a team when he can't even uh, motivate himself? He, he always, when he plays for us, he seems scared when he, uh, when he, every game he plays. So I don't understand how he can lead the team let alone he can't lead himself. So how, what it, do you... feels, it feels like Dio that he's always going to be in the side. He's, he's the only one who's guaranteed to start each game. If you look at our side, you know, players have been in and out. You know, Luke has been in and out. Kabai gets, you know, he's had injury problems. You know, Townsend's really up and down. We saw that last season. You know, um, I'm not sure if Loftus-Cheek is ready for the captaincy. You know, obviously Benteke has got this long layoff now. Zaha's injured. So who is there? You got, uh, maybe give it to Sacco? I don't know. I just feel like captaincy is overstated. And I don't see, you know, the fascination towards oh, who should be captain. Because I feel like it's completely irre- irrelevant nowadays. Um, um, so just give it to the guy. We can't give it a Loftus-Cheek. He's a Chelsea player. Yeah. Well, he's a South London boy, isn't he, at the end of the day? 
and uh, he's probably our best player. At the moment. We're not going down so that. Best... It's, it's one of our own again. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, 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 no. He generally is, Joe. He generally is. And look how well he played yesterday. Maybe We're going to come on to Loftus-Cheek, uh, boys, uh, a bit later. Boys, men, whatever, um, sophisticates and um, national treasures. Um, I'd say Luca would be a good captain. Yeah. Um, he's finally been put in the right position. Um, DeBoer didn't have a clue what to do with him. And I thought uh, he looked very, very comfortable, had great, great distribution uh, yesterday and was breaking up play, particularly in the first half. I think he'd, he'd be sort of leading by example in, in the way that uh, Mele did in the past. What do you reckon, Joe? Well, he's going to enjoy a big pitch anyway, isn't he? Yeah, yeah it's, a big, you know, it's a big surface for him to... To, to try and impose himself, so but um, I'm not I'm not too sure. I mean, I'm just glad he's playing. That's what I'm. I'm glad he's playing. Glad he's playing in the centre as well. So, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing with the ball playing him at right back, and there's a there's a few things you know that that, that I that I want to say about the ball still that we never got covered, but that's probably for for a different time. But uh, we can we can. It's speculation. I mean, like I say, our season doesn't really start until, you know, for another couple of weeks yet. That's that's the difficult point, isn't it? Again, we'll talk about it later. Dio, you want to come back on uh, Joe? Uh, um, no, the two with well, the captaincy, uh, who should be captain? I think there's two outright people right now on the pitch that I can see. Luca is a little bit controversial uh, because we don't know if he'll start every game, even though I was impressed with him yesterday and think he should start. And there's Sacco. When Sacco came in last season, when he joined the team, he was an outright leader and he motivates the guys. The guys look up to him and you can see that behind the scenes when you look at on Instagram and CPFC videos, he's an outright leader and Sacco will start every game and he can motivate himself and he can motivate the team. You can see the guy does care about the game and he's so passionate I think he'll be the right guy and he will start every game as well you, I, I, I agree with you but you can't bring him in on his second debut is there a special word for when you make two debuts for a team um, debut as a loanee and de- debut as a, a proper player um, you couldn't bring him in as captain straight away but, no Luca, but Luca has been here for too long as well so how can we make Luca captain if we can't make Saka captain well I suppose so anyway yeah. I, think, I think the captain's is very overrated. There we go. Worse. <laughs> <laughs> that first half, we weren't too bad, were we, Alex? We no, broke, we, we broke away. Yeah. Um, like you said, um, our Chelsea Loney was about our best player, and he seemed to. There seemed to be lots of little layoffs, free-flowing breaks, the uh, Townsend and Schlupp yeah. going up and down the pitch really well. Um, we came very close to scoring. What do you think? Yeah, well, well it was uh, really encouraging, wasn't it? And it's it's back to the Palace that we love. I, I personally, I feel like counter-attacking football is in the Palace DNA. You know, we've seen it numerous sides in the past. Um, you know, some of our best players have been players that are instrumental on the counter-attack. You know, like Zaha uh, and, and maybe players players of the past promotion seasons. Um, you know, like sort of Routledge and like sort of Moses and players like that that I've seen in my in my generation of, of going to Palace. Those are players that really excite me, and I feel that that's the way that we should play. I feel that's the, you know that's our strengths, and that's what we should be doing. And and it was refreshing to see that yesterday. Um, you know, we started excellently. We looked a threat on the break. 
you know, the likes of uh, Loftus Cheek, Townsend. I thought Fosse Mensa was fantastic. Um, you know, there was just some nice, quick touch, quick touches, and we could have gone one up. We had, we had, we had a big chance. You know, Loftus Cheek hitting the post, and it could have been a completely different proposition uh, that second half. Um, you know, I, I, I thought there's a lot of encouraging sides because, you know, at the beginning of the season, we've we've not seen that, and we saw that. In the League Cup in midweek, you know, everyone's seen that the viral video of us playing like Brazil, you know, yeah. with Riedewald and, and Townsend. And we saw signs of that yesterday. But unfortunately, we were up against probably the best sides in the division and probably one of the best sides in Europe. So, you know, it, in my eyes, yesterday was a free hit. And for me, it was more about the performance. And we saw the performance, I believe only 40 minutes in the first half. But I feel like there's a lot of encouragement there, especially for after the international break, um, when we're playing against teams which we probably have got a good chance against. I'm going. I'm going to play devil's advocate somewhat there mm. and uh, disagree with me any of you if you want. But I think Man City were genuinely a bit worried about us and our reputation for beating the top teams. So you could see the nervousness. There was that chance that Aguero had that he should have scored. There were there were other chances. So they had a lot of chances in the first half, and a lot of those came from us giving the ball away cheaply. And that is something mm. we cannot do at this level. Did you notice that? It's the Palace way. Go on, Joe. What is the Palace way? That's what we do. I, I, I'm 30 odd years for me. We've always played counter-attacking football. I, I, you know, I don't get why people are you know, bleating about or, or, or getting the ump about about possession football. We just mm. we're not we're not going to have possession football against those guys. Well, it's, it's not possession football. It's it's dodgy passes now. Whether that's down to nerves, and you can Nick, see, man, Nick, City had, Nick, had nerves look, until Nick, they scored the first goal. 12 games a year, right? We're playing against sides in the Champions League. Yeah, I know. Well, so, so, so we, they literally are, like you say, they're free hits, but they're Champions League sides. So, mm. I, I, you know, that for us to be going, yeah, well, we got a chance, we're going to go to Man United. Have we? Last time we won at Man United, and the only time I can remember us winning at Man United was Ambrose goal, you know? But yeah. we, we, yeah. Don't, we just don't beat the big sides... Right. Now, we give them the bloody nose every now and then. But the I was really, there in 89 the really, at Old Trafford. The, the really big sides, the really big sides, we don't, it's Champions League football, mate. European football we're coming up against. It's it's just, uh, you know, it's not frustrating for me. But, you know, I say it, it, the, the games that we should be winning, like you just you just said that after the international break, you know, we got games we've got a chance in. I thought we had a chance, well, supposedly, of a, you know, supposed to be having a chance in the first three. Didn't look like that. No. Um, Sacco. DR. He yep. had nearly scored an own goal. Possibly <laughs> saved them from scoring. Yeah. Um, how do you reckon he did for his uh, second debut? Yeah, he hasn't played football for a while. Last time he played was for actually us. And then he played on Tuesday. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't expect too much from him now but over time of course I feel like he will improve after he gets more game time and yeah Sako is a maverick he always does weird stuff so when he hit the post I was like that's a Sako thing to do and he did play he did play, he did play good at times you have to appreciate that uh, even though he hasn't played that much football recent times but Nick quickly going back um, about how we played our performance you did mention nerves even before the game started we up this is how I saw it anyways 
as soon as we would go behind, I knew that it's all over. And that did happen in the first half when we did actually play. On and off the ball, we were, our shape was brilliant. We moved the ball around the very good City side. I think people don't appreciate how good City are this season. And we did create chances, which we haven't done against weaker sides under Frank de Boer. And also, um, we defended well. We frustrated City so much. Uh, they were, we, we wasn't letting them have go through us that easily. And I feel like we I'll just look at um, our performance before we actually conceded. If we just look at that, I think that's a massive positive. We just it need were, to boost. Com- yeah, we just need it, to boost our confidence. I yeah, I mean, yeah. we were we were playing six at the back at times, and and Townsend and Schlup did a really really good shift. I thought um, at the back there. Um, I think after we win one or two games, after we finish this uh, three games with City, United, and Chelsea, I've, I'm not optimistic about them. However, after today's performance, when we do verse the Newcastle's, and if we do play like that. I would not be. I won't be worried about relegation. However, right now I think it's too early to talk about relegation. After 15 games, we'll see. Once we play the weaker sides, you think it's too early? Yeah. You honestly think it's too early to think about relegation? It is. Well, Mm. there's there's 32 games to play. Okay. Okay. So while so this is so this is what happens, right? Is that during the first game, five six of their players target possibly our best player, kick him out of the game, get rid of him for four weeks. Everyone's going to suss that now. So that's exactly what will happen. And then if you wait until we go down to the likes of Brighton and that, when they do, they're just going to kick the crap out of Wilf. Yeah, but Wilf, Wilf has always been kicked. There's nothing different. No, it's a little bit different now. It's a no. little bit, it's a little Lost- bit different. They, they've got, it's more and more physical with him now. They're not just kicked, they're taking him out. Look at, look at Townsend yesterday. Some of those tackles, if we'd have done that, Honestly, their fans, you know, they just would have accused us of assault. Some yeah. of those tackles were ridiculous yesterday. They go on our players and no one says anything. But all I'm saying is, is that if Wilf, every time he gets hurt, has to have four weeks out, he is our talisman, our best player. Without him, we we do not have a... I don't care what anyone says, we don't have a chance. I'm, I'm still really annoyed with Frank de Boer for not pulling Will off earlier in the Huddersfield game. Because he he was just it was assault, absolute assault, Alex. Yeah, well, I just feel like that once it a lot rests on sort of Townsend's shoulders. I think because the way I look at the wingers is they're a part they're a partnership. So the only way to obviously we know we're not going to get it from the referees. Wolf's not going to get the protection. You know, obviously he was the most fouled player in the Premier League last season. So we know we've just got we've just got to deal with it. We've got to live with it. We can't do anything about it. So there's a lot that rests on Townsend's shoulders to sort of deflect the attention away from Wilf and maybe give them uh, their fullback, another fullback, uh, something to think about. Um, you know, we saw that with Wilf and Balassi in the promotion of the season and some first couple of seasons in the Premier League. You know, uh, Balassi would, you know, would, would would sort of ease the pressure on Wilf and it would give Wilf sort of the freedom um, to 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 you know express himself. And that's why I feel like, you know, it's it's important that other players step up. We can't just keep relying on Zaha uh, going I, forward. You know, I, I still think they did. Zaha in this side. Sorry? We, we did. Um, Schluck got into some beautiful positions, running into the pocket and, you know, we lovely build-up play a couple of times. Uh, Loftus-Cheek got the ball out to him uh, or, or the ball came out to Schlupp. I think it was um, Kabai who started it from the centre of the pitch. And uh, Schlupp was there, got the pass perfect. Um, mm. And um, Schlupp was there. 
Cross was absolutely rubbish. Another time, um, yeah. the Loftus Cheek uh, run, I can't remember who crossed it in, and he just didn't quite get enough on the ball. Who was uh, <laughs> These chances, so we, we did have the chances, whether Wilf was there yeah. or not. Yeah, well, he, he, I, I prefer Schlupp in a more advanced role. Um, the problem is now, he's, Schlupp's got Schlupp, whether it's Schlupp, Townsend, Zaha, there's no one to aim for, because obviously, big injury yesterday, Benteke, uh, obviously, we don't know how serious your injury is going to be, but it looks pretty serious. Um, they've got no one to aim for, and and there's probably not going to be a striker of that ilk to aim for to put away those uh, those crosses in the box and those those passes in the box. So, you know, it, it's 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 desperate times, Nick. It's really desperate times. So, um, we've got um, the city goal. It was a brilliant goal. I did feel a bit sorry for Dan because he kind of one um, uh, Sane um, just did that little lob over over Dan's head. It was almost as if Dan was trying to knock it back to <laughs> Hennessy, but didn't quite get enough purchase on it. But they just skipped for us, didn't they? Are they are they that good? Is it that hard for us? It it was such such a shame, such a shame, Gel. Oh, they, they are incredibly fast players and we are notoriously slow at the back. So <laughs> um, it, it would have been easy. The thing is, with their, with their, it's their one-touch play, isn't it? The, the accuracy and the pace and everything and their control of their one-touch play will get, gets through most most teams. So, like I said, we're you know we're in the middle of this big meltdown. You know, I, I'll put my hands up and say it as well, but... We're we're obviously a little bit better than Watford because we didn't concede six, and we're the same as Liverpool because we've same conceded the same five against them. And I think they smashed someone in Europe four or five a little while ago. So you know, yeah. but 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 you know, he did turn down. He did make Dan a little a little bit stupid. But then on the other side of it, we've 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 uh, we've. I don't know. Maybe maybe the goalkeepers' union can come out and protect Hennessy for that, but. I thought had he been a little bit quicker, he could have just come out. As long as he gets something on the ball, he can smash the player in the ball. That's that's what we don't get from him. We don't get yeah. him coming out and risking getting a smacking kick in the yeah. head. You know, we don't. We he doesn't yeah, do that. He's not for me. For me, he's not brave enough. You know, Joe, the first I read time a, I've had a go at him. Sorry, Joe. I, I read a comment on one of the message boards or on Twitter. Uh, somebody was sat right behind the goal, and they they just didn't realise how much Hennessy didn't command the box. But I'm going to move on from that because, you know, we've, we've, we've had our goes about Hennessy's. It is what it is. It is. He is who we've got. It's him or Speroni and that's the only argument. Um, as soon as they scored, we had a chance where the ball was put over the top. Benteke almost got to it and could have scored. Now, when he came out, he was heavily strapped. I thought that he didn't, in fact have his um, best game. In fact, there was one point he actually had more touches in our own penalty area than he did in the other penalty area. Now, is he not being... Granted, Hennessy found his head quite a few times on some kicks, which was Mm -hmm. excellent, and he, he was getting people to play off of him. And he did that quite a few times. But... What did he do other than that? Is it because he's injured anyway? Was he playing with an injury? Dear. Um, you did say it's not his best game, but has Benteke had a good game this season? That's the issue. And it goes back to the point um, with strikers. 
only have one fit striker. And yeah, he did miss his chances. He missed one against Liverpool. I think he's to do with confidence with him. And it's just it's just a shame that we've only got one now. Potentially that uh, Benteke has been injured. That's the rumours. And he could be out for a while. Apparently it's a knee ligament injury. So we are in deep trouble. And it is a really stupid mistake to make from the club to only go one fit striker this season. So, he's boarded the train on crutches, apparently ligament damage. It's definitely yeah. out for the next game, Gel. What are we going to use? Who are we going to use? Sacco? Ladipo? Um, Lemeka? Lemeka and Ladipo are banging him in for the under-23s. Lemeka played against Burnley. What do you, what do you think? Well, why not? Well, if, if we, I mean, we cannot go out and do a Barcelona and not play with a, with, with a striker on the pitch. We can't. We can't. Not in the Premier League. We can't do that. I, I, you know, I said yesterday. I put a tweet out yesterday. I'd rather just play with the kids. Right. We we need we need the keenness, the endless running, the shutting down. We we need some energy from somewhere, and we need we need players to try and bounce off this. You know, the, the young, enthusiastic people that we've got coming. That you know that we've got. Not that we've got many coming through, but the chance are coming through. You know, if, we, if we are going to get beat every week, we might as well. Might, I don't know. I don't know. Very, very, very frustrating. <laughs> it is what it is. Go on, Alex. Well, uh, uh, as, as I was saying earlier, it's, the Chelsea game's another free hit, isn't it? So, as it is a free hit, give give one of those youngsters a chance, or you know, you, you there's nothing. You've got nothing to lose, and. You know, we we haven't got enough time to bring somebody in from from the free agent market. I probably could see us. I probably see us, you know, accelerating. I remember uh, Steve Parrish said that you know they've kept the space free in the twenty five man squad uh, for the possibility of, of bringing in a striker uh, on a on a Shemak. free transfer. Well, I, I love Shamak, but I've got a feeling he's a few years you know past it now. But you know, uh, uh, just give someone a chance. There's, we've got nothing to lose. It, just give Lopardo a chance against Chelsea. It's Chelsea away. We're not expected to get anything from the game. Loftus Cheek can't play against Chelsea as well. That's something we we all don't we we we've all forgotten about because he can't play Alex, against his parents. Alex, yes. Man United away, Chelsea at home, mate. Oh, sorry, sorry, but the same same again. Then they're two free hits. Give give Lopardo or give someone like that a chance, and then. You know, then see what happens after the international break and see whether we can get someone in the free trust market. Yeah, I agree. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you did say give Lodato uh, a chance after the Chelsea game, but what if it's longer than the Chelsea game? What if we don't have him for Newcastle? That's the problem we're having there. And Steve Parrish didn't seem optimistic about getting another free agent striker because when he was on the show, he said we have looked. But the way he was talking, it didn't seem much optimistic. He did say, if we find one, we'll get one. But it doesn't seem like there's any good strikers out there. Because Steve Parrish did mention you'll only bring a striker in if they can do a job. And it doesn't seem like there's any strikers out there that can do a job. So it's not good enough. It's not good enough. We should have solved it. We shouldn't be talking about having one fit striker at the club this early yeah, on. Yeah, 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 I know. But can I... Can I can I just say what Steve Parrish said? Because yeah. I, I just want to put this to bed. We are it is what it is. I agree we should have signed a striker, but they, the fans, are gonna to have to let it go. We are where we are. Unfortunately, we do not live in a perfect world. We have got one striker and we are going to have to make do with that until January. 
It was a very difficult market and it did not go right in the end. I would personally not have let Frazier Campbell go and that is something I wish I'd overruled. But there are huh. options. Yeah, yeah. it's That's weird. I don't think there's Arthur Sandy had dropped there. I don't think they... Uh, Alex. Sorry. Yeah, I was just saying, add, to in, add insult to injury as well. The, gu- the guy we were after scored two goals yesterday, Umani Ass, and Fraser Campbell scored for Hull. So, you know, everything's against us at the moment. That's not against us. That's just the, the Palace way. The Palace way, way. yeah. <laughs> but who knows, who knows what, what went on with that, Nias? So, we've... we've, we've, we've got to give you for, youth, youth a chance, like we uh, do on Hull Radio with DR. Uh, Joe? Yeah, listen, if he's out, if, if Benteke's out, we've got to play Lopardo. We've, we have to play him. If, if, he's, if, if he's sub then, and, and, we haven't, and, and our forward gets injured, then, then he's, if he's good enough to be in the team that day, then he's good enough to be on the pitch. We have to get away from this. That, that At the moment, he is probably I don't know, second or third striker in the club. So yeah. when, our, when our number one gets injured, why isn't the number two coming in or the number three? We can't be going, oh, well, we, ne- we need to go out and spend £38 million pound on a striker and pay him 200 grand a week. We've got a striker. We just <laughs> What we need to do is to get rid of this mindset that Will has to float a ball 15 feet across, you know, 50 yards across the pitch at 15 feet high and hope Ben Techie can get his big head on it and score. What about if Wilf gets down to the byline like he used to and pull the, pull the ball back and our midfielders are running in or getting someone who's a, a natural striker like Lopardo is and trying to score from the near post going across going across the near post? I, I honestly don't get this. Well, we've got we've got kids. We've got Wilf's out. We've got other wingers. I mean, they're just, we just... Everyone else seems to... You know, we play these teams and go, who's that? And they go, oh, yeah, come for our, come for our youth system. You know? With the, <laughs> the geezer that... The, the, when we when we played Huddersfield in the week, that, I don't know who he is. He may be six three, six four. This great big tall fella. I took talking to talking to a few of the boys, and they were talking about one of their fans sitting there in the director's box. And he went, "Yeah, he's a Danish kid, and he came through our academy. And he absolutely, I mean, he he hit the ball like you've well, like I haven't seen for ages. He absolutely murders the ball. Had two or three shots in the second half in the week against us. Big tall centre centre midfielder, but he's he's come out of nowhere." Why, why aren't we giving our kids a chance? We, we need to give people a chance. If the, if the big boys, the first team, aren't, aren't doing it, then we, we just need to be, we need to be turned over. I, thought, I, I mean, I thought, you know, we started every, we started with 24 players this year, 24 players. And all we do is seem to choose 14, 13, maybe. The same 13 all the time. We've got 24. Why, why are we even doing that? Might just choose 15. I was to choose 15 and pay them 180 grand a week and they're pucker players and pray they don't get injured. I, I just don't, I don't get the mentality sometimes. You know, everyone's scared. Everyone's scared of playing the kids. I know it's only ever been done really once before with Man United back in the 90s, but the, you give them a chance, you just never know. Deli Alley playing nothing, nothing football four years ago. Now all of a sudden, he's like probably top three, top four names going straight in the England squad. I'm not saying yeah. we've got quality players, quality England players, but we've got we've got players that are getting paid big amounts of money to sit there and do nothing the entire season. Joe, what you've sort of preempted my ramblings, ramblings a bit there, oh, and you went on a bit of a rambling yourself. But that's okay. You didn't know. I won't tell. I'll just give you a yellow card there. Um, 
I'm going to skirt the second half because it just all fell apart, didn't it? Once <laughs> once City had got that first goal, you know, they, they'd scored within, what, four minutes, five minutes of the second half starting. Um, Hennessy made a couple of good saves, but City players just appeared to be, well, appeared out of nowhere, like the shopkeeper in Mr. Ben. I mean, uh, Patrick Van Arnholt's face, when uh, the ball got floated over to the top, um, to Aguero, who crossed it back in for Sterling to score his second. He couldn't believe that Aguero was there. His, the look was like, oh, where the bloody hell did he come from? So it did kind of get to them taking the mickey out of us a bit. And the, the golfing quality is absolutely unbelievable. And it's it's kind of a bit unfair. But we do enjoy seeing world-class players. With that in mind, Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Uh, it's time for Gus, it does Hamblings Ramblings. Chris Hamblings got all ranty. Something's really wound him up. He's using lots of nutty words like bloody cripes and for Pete's sake. It's going to get quite heated. The air is turning blue. The refs have cut. The players are, and guess what? So are you. He'll whine about the tactics, the substitutes, and such. But please don't get him started on Jordan much. To be honest, the only reason I watched yesterday's game was because I was presenting this program. Because Hamlin got out of it again. Albert, in the dark and distant days, was able to stop watching the match after a while and watch The Apprentice instead. And if I remember rightly, he actually did half a show about The Apprentice rather than a 5-0 drubbing at the hands of Manchester City. I wasn't the only one that knew we were going to get tonked. My brother, last week, said, I have just thrown a hundred quid away because we are going to get thrashed at Manchester City. Nobody in their right mind would think that we would not see Aguero, Etal, tiptoeing through our defence and taking the mickey out of us. Look at results this season. Watford nil, Man City 6. Liverpool nil, Manchester City 5. Manchester United 4, Everton 0. Manchester United 4, West Ham 0. Manchester United 4, Swansea 0. Now I'm hoping that all five of the rounders, our relegation one, one of them at the moment, um, get similar tom- tonkings against them by these teams. We have just built up so many players, loaned them out to other clubs. Our best two players, arguably, are loanees. 
They won't be with us next season. That's the building for the future. Are they allowed to keep so many players? We're being priced out. And it's not as if the quality of the player matches the cost. It's all down to image rights. Image rights. Could you imagine? Manchester United or Chelsea, Manchester City got to the FA Cup and tried to release an FA Cup cup. You wouldn't get enough room in the food though, would you? You'd have agents, you'd have like, like image rights for people. It just didn't get done. It's got flipping Chris Sambling's gone all ranty. Something's really wound him up. He's using lots of nutty words like bloody cripes and for Pete's sake. It's going to get quite heated. The air is turning blue. The refs have come. The players are. And guess what? So are you. He'll whine about the tactics, the substitutes and such. But please don't get him started on Jordan much. So, DR, am I right? Should all these big teams bugger off? Well, own league. well, if you have to look at it this way, yes, all the big teams, you want them to bugger off. But because of all the teams that are, they are in the Premier League, the Man Cities, and also us, um, Palace as well, it's, uh, we need both teams in the league to make it work. If we, if we move all the big teams from the league, then we're not going to get any TV money. If we don't get any TV money, then how are we going to buy the likes of Benteke and Saka? We wouldn't even be mentioning them. So I think... It would be boring as well if we just lose the big teams because at times we do beat the big teams. Like last year when we beat Arsenal, it brings a bigger factor and it makes it you make like you can actually go to the big teams and slag them off. It'd we, be were boring. Talk, we were talking about big teams though. Arsenal are not they're not in the Champions League, are they? So it don't matter. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea. I'm joking. I'm yeah, no. <laughs> Alex, what are your thoughts yeah. on this? Well, to, to play devil's advocate, like, who are the big teams? I feel like, you know, you could say that there's so many big teams in the championship uh, that were fallen giants. There's probably some teams in Premier League. Like, do we consider Tottenham a big side? They've never won um, a, a, a league title, a Premier League title. Um, they've not won silver, any silverware for a long time. But are they a big side just because they've been up, up there or thereabouts the last couple of seasons? Um, you know... There's some sides in the division. I feel like it's quite difficult to decide who are those big teams, and I feel like it's. Bit, I know. I know we're going down the route where you know money's the be all and end all now in football, but you got to understand that there's you know almost a hundred and hundred over a hundred years worth of history um, in, in in English football, and for for the big sides that are going for the European Super Club completely, completely, completely like jeopardizes that completely, just puts that to bed and just. You know that's the end of, of of English football, and you know, do we want to be a, a, an SPL? Do we want to be a I don't know a, 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 a Belgian league? That's that's the route we're going down now. I mean, Man, Man City, Man United are just going to go tonking all the other teams, and it's just it's just going to get worse and worse mm. because they they can cream off the best players, and because of the loan system, they're they're allowed to keep. All these other players. We could have bought a striker, more than likely, had there been more on the market. But they're not on the market because they're all being sucked up by, by teams taking them just to hoard them so others can't have them. Well, arguably, if you, could, if you look at the money that we generate in terms of revenue, we're probably as big of a side as maybe 
probably one of the sides who consider themselves a big side, like a Benfica or, uh, you know, one of the German sides. We probably have, you know, because of the Premier League, because of the astronomical amounts in terms of the TV revenue um, and the prize money, we probably are a bigger side than, than the likes of Benfica and, and, and those sides. You know, the revenues are far greater. So I don't see the I don't see the idea just because all right great they've finished in the top four the last couple of seasons doesn't mean they're a big side. Yeah, it's not so much about the big side. It's it's just the buying the success. I think buying the success and they they can do that. They can do that. I mean, what was we our revenue uh, our wage spend um, was only sixty million, wasn't it? No, it, it was only quite short, only a little bit short of what we got for TV money. So it's other rev- revenue everywhere else, and it's image rights, and it's all gone completely, completely ridiculous. Because their clubs aren't buying Neymar Junior just because he's good at football; they're buying him because they want his name associated with their team. And it's it's moving away from building a good football team with local players to everything becoming a commodity. And I don't know; I might just start watching Bromley. It's it it's it does get you down, and I think maybe I'm like that now because. We are going through such a shit run, and it it does. You do wonder why you bother turning up every week. Am I just being the miserable sod, Joe? Yeah, but 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 no. Listen, the European Super League has been talked of ever since I can remember. So, I I do think it's going to happen. I I really do. But but the the, you know the the. the, the, the fact is that, I mean, I, I take your point, what you're saying, Alex, about us being, you know, maybe a bigger team than Benfica, but that's only just on turnover. That, that, that won't be in, in terms of European pedigree, you know, because most of the time they're in Europe and we're not. Um, and, they've, and they've been in Europe ever since I can remember as well. So, but but if, if we can't just be a bigger team than them just because of the money, I mean, but we, we don't have we don't have any surplus money. That's, that's the thing. I mean, everyone at Parish Stadium the other day, you know. When we, I'm sure when we came out of the championship, our wages, our wage bill was, I think, was 43 to 47 million for the year. This season, it's 100. 100 million. It's just, you know, I, I mean, it, and, and, it, and Parish did say that, if you want to keep certain players, you have to keep you have to pay bigger money. The, the, the Premier League is a completely different animal. There is a price for players to come into the Premier League, whether it's from Europe or from the Championship. It, it's a, it's a it's a Premier League price. So we're involved in this this overinflated product, you know that everyone is well. People like me are gradually falling out of love with. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd say what I'd be interesting. Interesting if we can do a poll, Homesdale Radio can do a poll and go, where would you rather be? Not just in this moment of time, but where would you rather be in the Premier League or the Championship? As a, as a straight up serious question, I'd say what, but, but there wouldn't be a lot in it. You know, at the Dear. moment, I, I don't care. Dear. Nick, I can come yeah. in if you like. Uh, yeah, go on then, quickly. 
Yeah, well, I was going to say, I've, I've, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in the Premier League too, in terms of the championship, and turn that into a, you know, a, a, a second-tier Premier League. Because, you know, you, you, like Joe was saying, the, the transfer fees and the wages in the cha- in the championship, you know, likes like John Terry getting paid almost 60 grand a week. Um, players being bought for £15 million, pounds, so we've never played in the Premier League, you know. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that happening. And, um, you know... It, I, I, there's no escaping it, you know. There's money in the game. There's an there's an interest in the Premier League. There's an interest in, in English football, and that, and that's here to stay. It's just dependent and see what 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 will happen when the big clubs get their way, and you know that, that we'll have to see for the next five ten years. But I hope but, that's not the case. But that'll only happen. That'll only happen if the if the if the football league accepts an invitation from the Premier League because they're completely different separate entities now. Mm. So you know, I mean, I, I, I can't. Who was it? Did, did Steve Parrish turn around and say the other day that, he, or someone turned around and said that the the Premier League offered the champ, you know, the championship X amount of money, and they turned them down as a mm. as a as a you know um, an overflow from from the from the Premier League to flow down through the leagues, and it was turned down because I think that they, they want their own. Well, they've got their own deals, haven't they? The championship, I think, it's just got a new deal. So. You know, it's a it's a difficult one, but like you say, Premier League one and two. I mean, that's just that's just it's just the know, same thing in a different name, isn't it? It's like oh, this one goes up to eleven on the amps. It's well, just well, the yeah, but do, do we do we then drag? Do we then bring up? You know, the the the, the division underneath the the, the the second division. Do we then bring that that non-league football up? I make that the second division, and then the first division, and then Premier League one. Premier, you know, do, do we? You know, the championship again. Do we do we move everything up one and make the whole thing bigger? You know, just just to make it commercially viable for. I don't know. Uh, Joe, you've just made my head explode. But now I've kind of softened the blow towards um, relegation, perhaps by saying that you know the championship might be a more competitive league to be in, not just because we're crap, but because there aren't any teams far and away better. Um, I think it's time we ended the show. Um, I'd like to thank Joe. Alex and DR for your time. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Samantha, for being our slidey and uh, twirly knob lady. And um, if you stick around, you'll hear an interview that DR and myself did with um, Emma from Proud and Palace, which is well worth a listen. Uh, thanks for listening. Hopefully, we'll be back live again soon uh, if we can fix it. See ya. Bye. Hi everyone, Terence here from the Preview Podcast. Did you know that in his recent interview on Hull Radio, Steve Parrish said, you know, 174 times, which was only four more times than Hambo said, fair enough. It's probably a bit harsh bang after Hambo this week after he's crashed his car on the way to the Southampton game. I mean, he made it sound like a crash of Pat Suarez proportions, but he did in fact only reverse his car into a pole directly outside of his house. He denies that he deliberately crashed the car in order to avoid going to the game in favour of staying put in glorious Crawley. B is a plastic, so fair enough. Anyway, I'm here to remind you that Man of the May United Preview Podcast will be available from all good podcast outlets from 10pm on Wednesday. Really pleased that we've got uh, Emma Wright in from uh, Proud and Palace. Hello, Emma. Hi, Nick. You're right. I'm good. And uh, we've got the, the ute of the station, DR, with us. <laughs> Hello. Um, DR, do you want to get straight in with the first question, mate? 
Yeah, the first question is uh, from me. Um, your website says that you are Palace fans first and foremost and that the LGBT part is secondary to this. How comes you are Palace fans and when did you first go to Selhurst? Uh, so speaking for myself personally, I was a Palace fan probably about 50 years before I was born. It was passed down from um, my granddad and my nan and granddad who still live in the same place in Wallington as, as they always have. Um, from that, my mum and my aunt and uncle were both massive Palace fans and uh, my brother and I sort of inherited it as a birthright being born in Carshalton and from around that way. So um, as, as much as I sometimes reflect on if I'd had a choice, if I'd have done things any differently... Uh, we've been well I've been a Palace fan you know since two generations before I was born and my poor little nephew's um, been branded as Palace now as well so yeah it, it means a huge amount to me as a club um, my granddad and my mum who are the main reasons why I support Palace sadly neither are with us anymore but um, you know my first Palace game I remember was a dreadful nil-nil QPR draw um, lots of people's first games seem to be nil-nils I remember Steph saying hers was a dreadful nil-nil draw as well and after years of pestering mum that my older brother was able to go to games before I was, uh, I was finally taken along for a game. And while, while the match itself was underwhelming, you can't beat that first moment, can you, when you walk out and see the pitch and see the size of the stadium as a kid. And yeah, I've been Palace mad ever since. Excellent. It's uh, it's mad. I remember taking a, a girlfriend to Palace Everton many, many years ago, and she thought Sellers Park was an excellent stadium. She obviously hadn't been to any of the others, <laughs> but it, it does. It does. I'm season ticket holder sitting in the same seat all the time, and occasionally I'll go and sit somewhere else, and I can't bear not being in a usual place. Have you got a usual place that you sit at, or? Yeah, so, um, well, this is, this is actually my first season as a season ticket holder. I've been dotting around and going to games as and when previously, and I've I've jumped all over the place, and I've settled down into a corner of the main stand now by the tunnel um, near you. Actually, I know we see each other occasionally yeah. at games, Nick. Um, and, it's, you know, it's great, and every stand's got its own personality. You know, I'm, I've sat over in the Arthur before where you have all the chaos of trying to get in and out and trying to get a drink at half time um i've sat in the upper and the lower of the homesdale and yeah every stand's got its own character hasn't it but um steph and i often joke that when people sign up for proud and palace more often than not they sit in the main stand and uh, that is the one with the nicer bars so you can try <laughs> about our membership there we do like a nice bar <laughs> so so you've, you've grown up going to football um mm-hmm. what, what was match day experience like for you when you're hearing homophobic chanting you know what it it, it, it it it's really uncomfortable and the uncomfortable part about it is because you feel so intrinsically linked to the club and the club feels like your family and you know every palace fan if you're abroad and you're wearing a palace shirt and you bump into another palace fan you know there's just a an instant bond there and an instant kind of recognition and I guess the only way to to compare it is I was very lucky in that when I came out to my family, everyone was nothing but supportive and, you know, I've never had any issues there. But when you hear language that makes you feel uncomfortable from the Palace fan base that you kind of consider an extended family, that's kind of what it feels like. It feels like a bit of a, a rejection from your footballing family. And, you know, I, I we read all the comments on the forums and we understand um, people saying, oh, it's just banter, you know, it's not meant with any malice, but y- you don't really get to 
decide what's banter if um it, you know banter requires a degree of familiarity on both sides right so yeah. my best friends can call me whatever they like um you know because there's a degree of familiarity we know each other's uh, what's going to offend each other we know what's going to um upset each other and we know what our lines are not to cross whereas if you're using that sort of language under the banner of banter without knowing who around you from the rest of the palace family might get offended um and there's no shortage we've got our 99 reasons to hate brighton campaign that you guys are doing a brilliant um jingle for at the moment that i still love every time i hear it thanks to you for that there's loads of other material out there um there's loads of other ways to show your discontent at a player going down under a soft tackle or or the reasons why we all hate Brighton so much without resorting to that sort of language. And it does make you feel uncomfortable. And, you know, recently we've, I've personally got better at calling people out about it because sometimes yeah. you think just shuffle your feet and pretend it's not happening. Whereas if you kind of politely nudge people and just say, look, you know, no need for that sort of language. We don't use that sort of language here at Palace. Then, People tend to accept it and move on. And, um, yeah, you kind of, yeah, it, it, it does just make you feel really uncomfortable. Um, yeah, so, so the people that say, oh, I don't mean any harm. Actually, they are causing harm and perhaps they need to have a little bit of empathy. And it's mainly, I don't know, a, a lack of understanding and, and a fear. I, I always think this kind of hate stuff is driven, well, if they're saying it's banter, it's not hate, but it, that's the root of it all. And I think it's fear. Yeah, and, and the root of it's a good point. Um, you know, I've explained it previously as, as it's like a pyramid, right? So the bottom level of the pyramid is, um, you know, you make a few jokes at Brighton's expense. You shout, get up, you perf if someone's gone down under a tackle um, as part of kind of a mob shouting stuff at football matches. Then the next level up from that would be using that sort of language targeted at an, at an individual. The next level up from that, you're getting violent and kind of getting into hate crimes. And if you take away the bottom level of that pyramid, which sort of endorses and gives permission to the level above it, then the more it goes up, you know, if, if you take out that route of banter in inverted commas then you start to lose some of the more dangerous stuff as it goes up as well and i think that's quite important for people to understand that while they might not be doing something with malice you you're not in charge of how other people react to it and how other people might be offended and at the end of the day we're all palace fans and um if someone was to turn around to me and say that something i was saying was was offending another palace fan then i'd quickly correct myself and you know, do what I could to make things right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Emma, you've come a long way in a relatively short space of time. Um, yeah. you, are you surprised at how quickly you gained recognition, especially from the first team? Yeah, do you know what? It, um, surprise might not be the right word because we all know what Palace is like as a community club. And, um, you know, it is a proper, proper community club. And like I said, you, you embrace all aspects of what it means when you're part of a community. But... I think last year when um, Steph Dino and I had our launch at Selhurst and, you know, so many people from the club were there. Um, Phil Alexander was on a panel. Quezzy Apaya came down and sat on the panel about it, which, you know, make no um, mistake having a first team player coming down to our launch event and saying, yeah, I support this and I support what your, what your club's about. Um, you know, it's quite an emotional moment when the club that you love as passionately as we all do 
turns around and says, yeah, we're with you. You know, we support this issue. We'll do what we can. And when Steve Parrish mentions us in his program notes, um, guys like like you, I know, you know, the jingle that you do. Um, I hope you guys realise how great that is for us as a group and how much that means to us. So um, when you think about it, it makes sense because we're such a community club. And like I said, we're such a family as a fan base. But the extent to which people have rallied behind us uh, and talking to, to similar groups through the Pride in Football Network who do the, what we're trying to do at Palace at other uh, clubs, the extent to which the club very quickly turned around and said, just tell us what you need. Tell us what other clubs are doing for their groups. We'll match it. We'll think of other things to do that's bigger and better. Uh, the way that fans have reacted, if I wear my T-shirt down to a game, you know, coming up and saying, good for you, Proud and Palace. You know, it, it means a lot. And it's not something that equivalent groups at other clubs necessarily, necessarily received as quickly and as wholeheartedly as we have done at Palace. So I think it, it speaks volumes about the club and about you've, the fan base. You've kind of preempted my next question. Um, other clubs, uh, I've got a friend, uh, Tottenham Sport, who's gay, and uh, he's quite involved with their group and mm-hmm. he says they do a lot of good things what what do you come to do together kind of i, I know there's a, a big march uh against terrorism uh where mm-hmm. fans of all clubs are, are going to be getting together uh, what sort mm-hmm. of stuff do you do you get together at pride do you do you have events do you do stuff outside of football yeah yeah we um that's so the pride in F- football network's good we've got a, a whatsapp group where we're constantly sharing learnings and what we're all up to so everyone can see what each other's groups are doing and can share stuff um, so that we can all progress together Um, we get together for socials we were at London Pride this year again it was great because I was marching along with my big Proud and Palace flag around my shoulders and uh, the Arsenal Spurs West Ham Chelsea groups are all kind of bigger than ours in terms of feet in the march as it were and they were getting recognition all along the route from their various fans. But there was probably five or six Palace fans that I found along the route who, who gave me a shout. And each time you find another Palace fan along the route, you get you know such a big, warm reaction. That, that was really nice. So, yeah, there's there's two sides to it. One is it's a really important network because we share different learnings and experiences. Um, it might be notes on how you train stewards for safeguarding or it might be social media tips, or it might just be, we've got a new logo, what does everyone think? Um, But most importantly, we're just a big friendly network, and when we all get together, there's a bit of banter between the rival teams. Um, Well, there has to be. You can't can't not have banter. Exactly. You can't put Charlton fans next to each other in the march and not have a few jokes flying uh, backwards and forwards. But, yeah, it's a a great network, and um, we're, we're stronger working together than separately, certainly. And what about, because there seems to be, in sports like rugby, you've had players come out. Um, do, you, do you think mm-hmm. we'll ever see that in, in men's football in Britain, in England? Do, do you think we'll ever get to that point? Or or is there still a long way to go where a player feels it's, I hate the word safe enough, but yeah, safe enough mm. to, to do so? I, I certainly think we will. And I think it's up to... Um, fans and the governing bodies around football to make the environment where a player feels like they um like they can um i think you know and part of our move to drive out homophobic language from chanting and from the terraces 
is because if you're a player walking out, you know, to represent your club and you're gay and you're um, not out, then that doesn't create an environment where you feel like you can. And that doesn't create an environment where that player can perform at the best of their abilities for 90 minutes. If at the back of their head, they're hearing comments from the stands and they're hearing chants that they don't feel are appropriate. And, you know, we all want every yeah. player to walk out with um, complete focus and their head up and completely focused on the game. And you don't want any uh, niggles or baggage, which is going to stop them from performing to their best. So I, I think people talk a lot about players coming out. And I think the role of fans in that, in creating an environment where a player feels like they can, um, is really, really important. And also governing bodies, you know, there's been a lot of talk around what they're doing to support players through this. I think it's going to be someone very brave who first steps forward in the English game while still playing and says, no, this is who I am. I'm not going to lie about it or hide it anymore. Um, and I hope that we're now at a place where the overwhelming reaction to that will be really positive, but it's, it's one of those where we'll only find out when it happens. Yeah, it? indeed. Uh, yeah, Emma, um, how far do you think uh, we have come in getting rid of homophobia in football? Are you uh, impressed by the progression or do you think more has to be done by football authorities and fans as well? Yeah, I think we've come really far. Um, and I think a lot of that is, is driven by fans, you know, um, pride in football ain't like me for, for not knowing the exact numbers off the top of my head but I think in the last couple of years we've gone from four LGBT fan groups at clubs to 37, 38 something oh, like I mean. that um, and that's just fans doing it on their, on their own you know Proud and Palace, Steph set it up November 2014 Just she went along to a pride in football meeting thought why haven't Palace got a group like this and then thought well because everyone's sitting around looking at each other waiting for it to happen so she um, took the steps to set up the group uh, I saw it appear on Twitter, reached out, said I'd love to help. Uh, and then here we are now. So I think a lot of it's being driven by fans who are just thinking, do you know what, this needs to change. And if the governing bodies aren't going to do anything about it, then then we are ourselves. And the reaction that the majority of people uh, have to our groups and, like I said, on social media and at games is is incredible to be honest with you you know like i said we read comments on social media and we know there's still a few people out there but it's becoming really obvious that it's just a small minority rather than the viewpoint of the majority of fans so uh, i think that support from fans and like i said things like the jingle that you guys do which we love is testimony to to how far we're coming along you do like our jingle don't you Oh, I love your jingle. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me when I, I saw love you. At the beginning of the Parish interview. So, um, yeah, I was desperate to tune in. I was like, oh, let's see what Parish got to say for himself then. And then the first thing you hear is our jingle. You think, oh, you know, that's that. Yeah, that that's more important in many ways than a set of guidelines that comes out from the Premier League or the FA saying you have to do X, Y, Z because fans listen to other fans, right? And um, yeah. That's why our campaign and our campaign to try and get people uh, uniting against the chance and the language that still come out against Brighton is so important because we want to enable other fans. Because, you know, to start off with, it was us saying this isn't OK. And a lot of people might say, well, of course, you're going to say that. But we wanted to make sure that it was clear that it wasn't just us as LGBT fans. It was the wider fan base going 
we're better than this and um, we don't need to resort to that language and that behaviour that's, you know, 50 odd years in the past now. It is. It is indeed. So how can people get hold of you? I'm going to give you 30 seconds to to advertise Proud and Palace. Well, um, <laughs> where where can we go? Where can we see you? Um, what sort of things can people expect if they they kind of join up with you guys and girls? Yeah. So the best thing to do is if you head to our Twitter page, um, which is at Proud and Palace, or if you look up Proud and Palace on Facebook, or uh, you can email in, uh, email us, which is cpfclgbt@outlook.com. Um, all of those are linked to mine and Steph's mobiles and we'll pick up stuff and come back to you as quickly as we can. Um, whether you're LGBT yourself or an ally who wants to support us or just have some feedback or ideas of, of things we can do, we're all is. Or need some fashion tips. <laughs> or yeah, if you just want to know where the best bars are. Then... <laughs> so, so you mentioned the Steve Parrish interview. What? What do you make of what's going on, Emma? What's what the bloody hell's going on at Palace? And, and oh. I don't know. Are you depressed about it, or are you are you kind of in line with me, thinking, well, we're going to get thrashed by City and so so many other teams, so it's pointless looking at yesterday's result. What are your yeah. thoughts? Yeah, I, I think we went toe to toe with City for for forty odd minutes yesterday, and um, I wasn't at the game, but I listened on the radio because I'm doing the Palace for Life Foundation's Marathon March, so I was out on a 15 mile training walk yesterday with um, the radio on my headphones and you know listening to it and watching match of the day there's a lot of really positive signs the issue is we keep conceding goals at the beginning and end of the halves and once we were 2-0 down at the beginning of the second half you think that's it we're out of this now because before you thought maybe we can nick something here but um, yeah I don't think you can hold ourselves hold us to standard against a team like City with the resources they've got and the team that they've got um, I don't think you can really look at United or Chelsea as well our next two games watching their games yesterday they're both looking incredible as well and I think we've just got to think our season starts on October 15th <laughs> those games without confidence being completely crushed and and hope for the best um, you know that there's no denying that Benteke's injury it's felt inevitable since the transfer window closed and we didn't have another striker that something would happen to him and Indeed. has and, Palace um, way it is a Palace <laughs> way but like I said you know this club was um, in, passed down to me from two previous generations and it wasn't any easier supporting them for my granddad or my mum um, it won't be any easier for my little nephew either there's going to be a lot of ups and downs uh, well, along the way and it's just it's part and parcel of this club isn't it yeah um, we were in division three when i first started going in 75 76 so um you know these are good times apparently. Yeah, well, <laughs> success breeds expectation doesn't it and you know five seasons in the premier league now and um you know there's a sense of expectation now that we're going to get better and better every season which isn't necessarily possible you know at some point you're going to start to plateau a bit and other teams are going to progress and um yeah it's going to get more and more competitive in the Premier League I don't think we've helped ourselves in the transfer market but I understand Mm. Parrish's points on spending money and you know I said the other day he made the point about people criticizing the spending on the fan zone in comparison to another striker and that's like 
the wonderful argument that if millennials stopped buying avocado on toast, we could all afford houses in London. You know, it's not like for like that money isn't automatically going to be redirected around. And I think we all would rather our club was financially secure um, than start throwing money around. But we'll we'll see. It's still another 30 odd games. um, To be fair. The fan zone, all they've done is put a fence around what was there before and make yeah. it before you go in. They're, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm more upset by the lack of crystals because I used to be, meet loads of people in there. Anyway, Emma, look, it's been fantastic talking to you. We'll get you on Thanks. and hopefully Steph on again before the Brighton game and you can give us an update on how sort of campaigns, campaigning is going and uh, maybe give us an insight into what Brighton fans, uh, uh, LGBT group, are doing as well in the, uh, for the same game. Yeah, definitely. We, we've got um, an invitation to go down there and speak to the kind of safeguarding people and the stewards and the group down there um, before the group the game in November. So we'll see how that goes out. And um, yeah, thanks so much for having me on, guys. Um, hello to Steph. He's out for lunch with her father-in-law at the moment, so can join in um, and keep up the good work. You've broken the golden rule. We don't do shout-outs on whole radio. Oh, do we not? <laughs> <laughs> it's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> Thanks very much, Great. Emma. Thank you, Emma. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.